Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. Redeemer Lutheran Church, 19th and Wells, Redeemer Lutheran Church is our destination today on Urban Spelunking, and we're going to be live on site. It's an exciting time for the church, and it's also a busy construction scene, as it's undergoing a $4 million renovation. The congregation is almost to its fundraising goal, just short of a million dollars to go, and it'll add mental health services, as well as much-needed upgrades to the 1915 church. A new kitchen, a totally redesigned community hall, and of course lots of structural repair. We start here with a conversation with the Reverend Lisa Bates Froyland. Then later in the episode, she'll take us around on a tour, including, of course, a stop in the sanctuary, which is totally unique. There's really nothing else quite like it in Milwaukee. She'll explain why later, but let's first start with our interview. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thank you for the invite today. Absolutely. I'm really thrilled that you're here. I'm a big fan. Right. So after many years of the church not having the funds or the organization to be able to repair the historic part of the church, uh, nor to really reimagine the ministry spaces and the newer part of the church, we've finally been successful enough as a fundraising group and the, the church has grown to the extent that we can do that major effort. And so we're really excited about a groundbreaking on June 7th that will occur at the site where a really catalytic thing happened for us. And it started with tragedy, and it's becoming more and more hopeful all the time. On March 29th, 2019, a man named Johnny Smith, who had nowhere else to sleep, was sleeping on the East Steps. And a man who had been at the rescue mission left the mission in the early hours of the morning, and voices told him that he should um, take the life of whomever, whomever he encountered. And so Johnny Smith tragically lost his life on our steps um, on that day. In response to that, the church gathered together the next day, the council, and discussed how do we respond to something like this. And with prayer and with conversation, we decided um, that a part of the reimagined church would be a mental health assessment clinic. Because in both cases, the man who lost his life and the man who took the life we're both um, struggling and living with undiagnosed mental illness. I mean, it's tragic that the person who committed the murder now is finally receiving care that he didn't get um, leading up to it. So we, we want to have the groundbreaking there on June 7th. And instead of shovels in the ground, we're going to do a little demolition on the lower parts of the steps. And those steps will be completely replaced as part of the, part of the overall effort. I see them working on the, the building outside now. And, and I talked to him briefly because okay. it's sort of an interesting construction. It looks like there's cream city brick underneath, but then the veneer of the church is not bricks. It's street pavers, yeah. which is sort of an interesting look. It's really funny. And I'm wondering, how does that preach that <laughs> the church is built, is built of bricks that are meant to be walked upon, you know, and traveled over? Um, so yeah, I thought that was really funny when we found out with the restoration specialists that the church is actually built of, of paving bricks. Um, can you talk a little bit too, you mentioned that the church has grown mm-hmm. enough to be able to do this work. Um, I go to a fair number of churches and when I, last time I've heard the phrase, the church has grown, 
I couldn't tell you when <laughs> when that was. Usually it's the reverse. What's happening here, do you think, that is leading the church to grow and, and to kind of give you that boost that a lot of other churches can only dream of? Yeah, I, uh, I arrived about 12 years ago. This is my first and only call to ministry. It's a second career for me. I was a communication professor um, before that. And when I arrived, uh, a pastor with 40 years of urban ministry experience was at the end of, of his career. So I learned from him, Pastor McRoshke, um, for the 18 months that we served by, side by side. And the whole effort there was to have a very deep look at the neighborhood surrounding us so that we're not a fortress unto ourselves here, but that we know our neighbors. And so we embarked on this project of going around every block in the 68 block radius. We went around 68 blocks and we talked to whoever we encountered um, with a friendly hello. And the goal was not come to worship on a certain time. It was just... Um, who are you? What would make this neighborhood an even better place to live and work? And from that, a lot of connections were made and people saw this as a place where um, they could use space within the church and then get to know us and vice versa. So that was really, really key. And we started some ministries that were designed to have people come to the church, not necessarily for worship, but for any number of other kinds of activities and resources. That when the church was started, the founder said that it that they should teach the faith of the I'm gonna have this wrong the faith of the father in the language of the children. Yes, which was sort of interesting because it's uh, instead of doing outreach to immigrants, it was sort of the reverse, wasn't it? It was sort of like doing outreach to maybe native uh, to native speakers, probably right. The the uh, it was so. Uh, Reverend Frick was his name, mm -hmm. came up from Ohio and Pennsylvania in the late 1880s with the notion that at that point in time, it was time for Lutherans in the United States to worship and transact all their business in English. So prior to that time, these were all ethnic enclave churches. So if you were a Dane, you look for a Danish Lutheran church, Norwegian, so on and so forth. So this congregation is the first exclusively English-speaking Lutheran church in the state of Wisconsin. And that was the notion. I use that fact to say that this church has always been inclusive and innovative. And so we continued along those lines. Well, let's um let's step back to the history a bit. Um, you you shared with us a, a bound book that shares the church history. Um, of course, more than we can cover in this moment. But are there some milestones that you want to share as we look ahead to uh, the future? At the time of the Vietnam War and a lot of other turmoil in the late '60s, Frank Zeidler and his wife Agnes were wondering how and where could there be a space for voices of dissent to freely. Uh, express themselves both musically and in the spoken word. And so they looked around for other spaces where they could start a coffee house. And they could never find a spot where the rent rates were right and the location was good. So they ended up starting it right within the walls here at Redeemer. And this was the home of the coffee house from its start in 1968 um, up until about 2018. And then in preparation for all of the renovations here, uh, they were encouraged to find another spot, and they've been on the east side um, in this intervening time. But so, there are many, many people who come to Redeemer because they remember being here for the coffee house at some point or another. Uh, at about the same time, uh, retirees 
in their late 60s were having a few more years before their health declined and they weren't able to get out and about. So in about 1968, uh, the first church-based senior center also was started here at Redeemer. And initially, they met about three or four times a week, and there were crafts, and there was drama, and there was music, and and that ministry also um, went on for a very long time. Um, it did not revive coming out of the pandemic. I think there are a lot of other options for retirees, and now retirees enjoying great health are um, doing a lot more traveling, and they're also doing what replaced that ministry, which is a food pantry here. And so I see the retirees come and put food together to share with our neighbors instead. Do you see the coffee house ever coming back? Is there a discussion of that, or has it pretty much moved on and it's, that's the reality now? I hope that if it's not the actual coffee house, at least that spirit will be here. We're talking about starting something called Gospel Brunch, which would be at noon, and I, I could see that as a gigging type event for, for local artists, I'm hoping. There's this spark that I see in your eye right now, which I think is also very much present here at Redeemer, and that is just a, an acknowledgement of the breadth of God's ingenuity mm -hmm. in creating us and the cultures of the world. And so if you enter into a space like that and you feel energized by it rather than fearful by it, then you might choose a congregation like this one. And that's what I, I think is, is part of the draw um, in the last 12 years. And I hear the music's really good here too. <laughs> the music is off the rack, yeah, off the charts, whatever. It's off something. It's, off something. it's amazing. It's wonderful. Yeah, Jeff Gray is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me um, just a bit more about the the uh, mental health services and the future the future projects. I'm obviously a huge need. We're hearing more coverage about um, and more sensitivity, more um, just openness. I think around confronting mental health in our society. Um, but there is so much that is undiagnosed, and we see these rates rising. Um, you know, people dealing with undiagnosed issues everywhere. Um, so tell me more just kind of how this is meeting the need. What we intend to do is to become another branch of the Bread of Healing Clinic, um, which had its original home in the basement of Cross Lutheran, 16th and Walnut. And so they have a tried and true. They've been doing this for 20 years right now. They are a wonderful learning site for interns from several of the um, the institutions that are raising up doctors and nurses in this area. And so we've started uh, piloting having someone from Red of Healing coming to meet our neighbors who are here for uh, the pantry anyway, just to get a flavor for you know who's here. The other thing is that uh, the congregation itself has an openness to talking about mental health. Uh, it's, it's very freely discussed from the pulpit in all of our Bible studies. People are open about how it impacts their personal life and the life of their family members. So this can be a place where uh, there's a gracious welcoming around working on issues of, of mental wellness and, and well-being. So we're, we're excited to be part of a network, and I think that's going to have to be the approach, is that there has to be a, a number of different types of resources sprinkled throughout the entire community. Um, there's, you know, the hospital that's being, uh, is it up and running yet? That there's, yeah, sure yeah that, that, that could take a really serious case if we run into that. But here we can just start to make those connections um, and to have congregants able to also maybe bring people to an appointment somewhere else if they need that kind of thing. Because that's what we find a lot of is that 
it's hard to have the wherewithal if you're sick already to go through all of the hoops necessary to get to the the kind of help that is needed and get to those appointments. You know, looking ahead to the groundbreaking in June and uh, all these services that'll be uh, available to the community. I mean, just how are you feeling right now? What what what's giving you the most energy in this process? What what joy are you finding right now? This is going to be kind of an out there answer, but I love the the wacky things that happen day by day here. Uh, a pastor's life is marked by you know sometimes tragedy and real sadness, but oftentimes just out of the blue, weird, wild stuff that happens. So, for instance. Yesterday, there was a French film crew here to have lunch because they're going to shoot a scene for a movie in our sanctuary on Friday. Really? Yeah, it's an art film that's being supported by the French government, and the title is My Heart Beats for No One. And it's a story about uh, a young man's quest for redemption and connection. And so they just, I don't know how they found us. They claim it was a Google search, I'm not sure but they're going to be shooting that movie there. So that's just one kind of example of being in this location and being open to working with people. You can have a really interesting life and work from that. I walk around in my head, I mean, this is the more not off the beaten path answer. I walk around in my head as I walk through these hallways and these walls and these spaces imagining what it's going to look and feel like in two years. And that gives me a great deal of joy and energy to think about. I'm 88.9 Story Zori. And I'm Milwaukee Films' Christopher Pollard. We are the hosts of Cinebuds. Yeah, we are. And on Cinebuds, we talk about movies. Flicks. Moving pictures, they are referred to as also. Talkies. Talkies is good, (laughs) yeah. And you can listen to us every week. On Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Or you can listen to the entire podcast at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcast. Cinebuds is brought to you by Associated Bank and Eyes on the Lake, Eye Care and Eyewear. Lighting as we go. That's a boiler. Is that a great sound? That was a great sound. I did get that sound. (laughs) Okay, watch your stuff here. Alright, we are going one level below now. Into the boiler room. It's warm in here. Our tour begins in the basement, or the dungeon, as she affectionately calls it. And in the boiler room, we learn of an important piece of church history. 2015, the boiler died, and it looked like we needed to raise $75,000 that we did not have at that point. And I thought, well, okay, that's it. We're going to have to sell and move on. But that was the first time we did a fundraising effort. Um, Found out that there were people in the congregation who could share once they knew that it was, you know, forward moving. And we, at that time, did a a GoFundMe campaign before everybody did GoFundMe campaigns. And that was unique enough that it attracted the local media, which I have to give a ton of credit to the Journal Sentinel and to the local TV stations. 
we had gotten to the point where we couldn't worship any longer in the sanctuary because it was too cold. So Brett Funeral Home next door said, you can come and do your service here. Nice. So I arrived for that worship service, and here were the three media, main media outlets to interview me. And um, by the end of that day, somebody listened to one of those news coverages because she was rehabbing a shoulder at home. And she said to her daughter, go get my checkbook. And she wrote a check for $30,000. This was a woman, it wasn't just whimsy. She had been born here, baptized here, confirmed here, married her, married here, and had lost contact with the church. But when she found out Redeemer needed help, she stepped right up. Wow. That generosity that you experienced from the community, I mean, you can never take it for granted, especially when you're on the edge like that. I mean, the generosity that comes forward. Exactly. I mean, you can, sure, there's room to decry the news media, but for me and the work that Redeemer has done, our intentions are always to be helpful in the community, and that gets a response from the news. The news media here has always helped me to get that message out. Our next stop is the kitchen area, which, as you'll hear, has seen better days. But remember, those better days are coming. So this is being used to prep food for the food pantry, but we can't really cook here. You know, yeah. can't use a garbage disposal, can't use a dishwasher. That sink works. That sink works. <laughs> so this well, was. Well, this is a place for your dirty laundry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was the this kitchen was designed in 1954, when it was. I mean, it was fantastic in the beginning. Look at this pass through here, the water thing there. It just never got remodeled um, or, or taken up to date. So Are you tr- so this is part of the renovation is to restore kitchen. You say you're moving it upstairs? Or? Yeah, this is going to become two conference rooms instead because we really need to abandon the drain pipes that come off of this property. So we just need to say that's not going to work anymore. So these are going to be two conference rooms here. This whole lower level will be mission partner space. The mental health center is going to be, as you come in, this this space off to the left will be the mental health assessment clinic, or whatever we end up calling it. And then the rest of this will be carpeted and, and mostly open, but for mission-related mission, mission related partners. And we're talking to several groups right now who are interested in having space here because of the location. Is all of this going to cost? Four million dollars altogether. Um, we've raised two point eight and a half so far, so we're looking for about nine hundred thousand dollars to finish things out, and then we might make make one more push. We thought maybe we would borrow the last two hundred thousand, but I'd rather just not. Yeah, <laughs> so I understand that. Trying to get two hundred thousand more so we don't have to go into debt because the congregation is not in debt either. After moving through the kitchen area, we head to the roof to check out construction work underway. So here you see the all the different types of brick. That's probably 1915, 1917. Where they're doing most of their repairs is a rebuild of the towers in the 1960s, and they picked the wrong kind of mortar then. So that's where a lot of the work is happening too. Oh, I see. Slate roof has been holding up really well. There's some, report, some uh, repairs that'll be made to that, but not a ton. We take in a pleasant rooftop view overlooking Wells Street and head back inside. Next, we're headed behind the scenes into the Reverend's office. 
This probably won't be here. This will be about the place that the new kitchen is going to be. There's Reverend Frick, the found, founding pastor. Yep. And then here as well. Yep. Yeah. And Zinc was a was the pastor here for 50s, 60s, 40s. Here, a long, long, long pastorate. And then a bunch of us who were putting together this together thought we ought to have a woman on the wall. So that's Myrtle Onsrud. She's a she daughter. She looks like Frank Zeidler. <laughs> she kind of does. Doesn't she? Maybe it's the glasses. I then. don't know. Maybe they're related. Mm -hmm. So Myrtle Onsrud was uh, a nurse and a missionary to India, a daughter of this congregation. You see the American Red Cross has left one of their cots behind. We have sheltered people who have been burned out of nearby uh, apartment buildings seven times in the last 14 months. Yeah. And you got Mr. Uh, Mr. Luther himself right there. Right? <laughs> yeah, he's there short he glowering. So I like to sit here to do sermons, and he's like looking up and being like, did you get that right? <laughs> Yeah, this is the baptismal dress of Mildred. Mildred Templin, she was uh, quite state-of-the-art, world-renowned, I want to say philologist at the University of Minnesota. You, would, you should fact-check that. But she was a big fan of Frank Zeidler. So when she died, she donated a big amount to the Zeidler Center for Public Discussion, which enabled them to hire their first executive director, who was me? Oh, okay. Um, in 2011, and that was the jumpstart that that or volunteer organization needed um, to start realizing its full potential. And a Luther bobblehead. Wow, mm -hmm. you don't see those every in every church. And again, here we have outdated 1950s men's and women's rooms. This is all going to be kind of shaved off and made into a pre-function space. And then the skylight lounge that I'm about to show you will be a bank of single-use bathrooms. One more stop to go before we go to the church building itself, and this place is called the Skylight Lounge. It's a blue room with a domed ceiling that offers blue lights and a peaceful space. What is this space? Isn't that mid-century modern dream? Company? Yes, exactly. Wow. This is the Skylight Lounge. The same artist who did the, the big mural on the back of the church. Did you see that on the yes, way in? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So also asked him to do this as well, just to open up the room, give us a good uh, vantage point in our imaginations. There's a lot of meetings and planning and strategizing happens here. But I think that this dome was here. What my reading tells me is that it was designed to be an acoustic kind of resource. This was supposed to be for the music. So when I see the old, and I can dig this out for you, the old um, flyers on the new part of the building. It shows the grand piano here and the choir rehearsing here. And now the time has come as we're led into the main church sanctuary. All right, let's see the most beautiful space. I have to jump to the back in order okay. to turn the lights on. I've never seen a church in Milwaukee like this otherwise. What makes uh, this so unique to you, There's no side windows. Yes, First that's wall. true. He's pretty convinced that there is no other church that looks like this, certainly in the Midwest, if not in the whole eastern half of the country. So for those uh, listening, what makes this, architecturally speaking, so different from other churches? 
It's a neo-Gothic style, and uh, it's made of a, a brick that has flecking in it that is not seen anywhere else in the Midwest. What a beautiful space. I mean, it is uh, really incredible. The, the pastor, the founding pastor, Frick, worked with the architect, who is William Schuchart, who was also of uh, the Garden Homes Project, was another thing. He did three residences on the east side, Terrace Avenue. Um, I think there might be one on Lake as well. And then this was the only sacred space that he did. And he said that he modeled it on a church that he encountered and sketched in detail in France when he was traveling there. So uh, he worked with the pastor, and one of the pastor's priorities was that he didn't want people gazing off to the side when the action was here in the middle <laughs> and even in the pulpit. Exactly. So that's why you see that the, the windows, such as they are, are way up high. You can't just gaze out the window because there are no windows um, on that level. Interesting. For decades, the Redeemer Lutheran Church services were broadcast through the radio from here, too. So you can still see signs that it's wired up throughout. None of that still works anymore, but mm. it was that way for a while. And this is what used to be a pew. Oh, that's the table this that you told us about. This is the table that yeah. was made from one of those pews that you saw down in the dungeon. And, and Jeff Bray did it along with a couple of helpers. And it's beautiful, and we, we intend to use that then for the gospel brunch and the noon run kind of free lunches that we're looking to offer. Wow, what a stunning space. So when, you're, when you are uh, doing your ministry here, do you feel connection to the past and to the, the history of this church and everything that came before? Yeah, and that's just, part of that is just the kind of person I am. I'm very interested in history. And part of the reason why our family has felt so at home in Milwaukee is that you can see architecturally that you can be walking in several decades simultaneously. And I love that feeling. When I climb into that pulpit to, to give a sermon, I think about the men who have spoken from there um, for decades now, trying to both comfort and challenge with the Word of God. So yeah, it, and I think about Frank Zeidler too often. I didn't get to meet him. And so I think about him walking these halls in his thoughtful and quiet ways and um, listening for signs of hope. Mm. Urban Spelunking here on 88.9 is edited by Kiri Salinas. And make sure, of course, you go to unmilwaukee.com. We've got a link to this story and all the other stories that we've talked about on any episode of Urban Spelunking. You can find a direct link to Bobby's complete story there. So make sure you do that. Mm-hmm.